sometimes it, when things are shlemidas, they have more selfish uh, minds. Okay, so last week we started we started Paraktes, really more of an introduction, a background to appreciate Paraktes and Sefer Yeshua. So just to chazer very quickly to get a little bit uh, back into uh, the story. So in the ninth chapter of Sefer Yeshua talks about the story of the Giv'oinim, this uh, mysterious group of people that came to Yeshua claiming to be coming from a distant land and wanting to make peace and wanting to have a covenant with the Jewish people, a peace treaty. And uh, first, Claudius are a little bit wary of it, but eventually they go along and they make this covenant, only to find out a few days later that the Gevaitim were in fact not some foreign entity. They were uh, a city, they were a people within Eretz Yisrael, one of the seven nations. And, uh, and uh, this obviously, you know, first of all, the, the deal is off because they didn't, they, you know, it was under false pretenses. Not only that, and the Jewish people were therefore ready and able and willing to go to war to this, with these people, just like they were going to war with all the other nations in the seven nations. But because they made this treaty, although it didn't have any uh, legal binding because it was made uh, under false pretenses, but Lamaise, if the Jewish people would have backed out of it, it would have caused the Chalashem. So the Jewish people therefore went along with it, but, in, but, uh, but instead of having just a peace treaty, we, we're not going to go to war with them, but we did, but we did establish them as, as the servants of the Jewish people. They have to provide uh, service for us and, and labor and so on and so forth. That's the story of the Gavainim. Now, what we, we used that last week, we spoke about um, the general sogia of the Jewish people going to war and and having to offer a peace treaty. Because this is what we saw last week, that in fact there is one of the mitzvahs, one of the target mitzvahs is, that when the Jewish people go to war, we have to, uh, uh, the cross of Shalom, we have to offer a peace treaty first, or in terms of uh, surrender, before we go to war. And so the, that's what we spoke about last week, whether that mitzvah of offering a peace treaty applies to the seven nations of the Neretz Yisrael, or only to peoples of Chutzlar. And that's, in, in that context, we spoke about the Giv'oinim, in terms of like, why did they have to, if you hold, that even amongst the seven nations, there's a mitzvah to offer peace, then why are the Gevayim have to, why do they have to pretend to be from Chutzlaretz? And why are the Jewish people so upset when we find out they're from Eretz Yisrael? Either way, you have to offer a peace treaty. So that's what we spoke about. We spoke about that last time, different opinions. Okay, so some opinions say that if they're from the seven nations, you do not have to, you, you should not offer a peace treaty, you go to war right away, which in that case, we understand why the Gevayim had to pretend to be from Chutzlaretz, and we were upset when we found out they were lying. And according to the, 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 and we spoke about it as well, according to the Shittas that they were from Eretz Yisrael, what were the issues? So we spoke about it, that it could be the offer of peace is only before we began fighting with the seven nations. Once we begin fighting, then all, all, uh, all offers are off the table, and we began fighting already. So the Gevayinu come, and that, that's why they have to pretend to be from Chutzlar. We, we, we talked about that in different ways. So I was, I was going to go you know, more specific and direct into the story of the Giv'oinim, but I figured, I was thinking about it the other day, I figured you know, in order to complete the sugya of this, this a concept of offering a peace treaty and our obligation to offer a peace treaty, and maybe sometimes not, so I figured it would be Kadai to finish that topic. And once I prepared it last night, I, was, I realized that it's not relevant to the parsha. So it's all Bashkacha Pratis. It's negated to the parsha. we'll see. Okay, so we'll begin like this. Again, so this is not going to be relevant so much to the specific story of the Giv'oinim, but the general topic of, of offering a peace treaty. So it's like this. In the Marmokamis that you have, so Marmokam number one is in a, a couple of Pesukim in Parshish Kiseitzim. Okay? 
So it says in Pasuk, in Pasuk, like this. So there's a prohibition from the Torah that someone who is from Amin and Mayav, right, the two nations that come from Light, right, Light, the nephew of Avraham Avinu with his daughters, so the nations of Amin and Mayav, so there's a special prohibition that we're not allowed to marry people from the nations of Amin and Mayav. Now this is not talking about when they're still Goyim. That certainly you can't marry a non-Jew, but we're talking about even after someone from Amin and Mayav converts, there's still a prohibition for them to marry within the fold of the Jewish people. They have to marry other converts and so on, other halachas. But this is the halacha that an Amin and Mayav person is not allowed to enter into the Kal Hashem, into the, the main body of the Jewish well, people. That's why it's famously... Huh? Well, Say it again? How can they convert? They can convert. That's not a problem. So Garrus is fine. That's not, that's not, that's not the issue. The, issue. the issue is only Nesuin within Kal Yisrael. That's the problem. And, and uh, there's only one nation, by the way. In Bavli and Yushalmi, as far as I know, but in Bavli for sure, there is no... The following idea is not recorded, but it is, this is not the, the, the topic for, for today, but just something that's interesting to know. There is a Medrash that says that there is one nation that's not allowed to convert, and that's a Molech. But uh, that's a Medrash that's quoted in a few places, but in Bavli Yishalmi, as far as I know, it's not, it's not recorded. I don't think the Rambam quotes it, so it's not so much the Halacha Lamaisa, but, but in terms of conversion, we don't have limitations. Again, maybe Amalek, according to a Medrash, but this is a separate Halacha, that even someone that converts from Amin and Mayav, they can't marry into the fold. That's why it's famous that Rus, who was from Mayav, married into Kalah Yisrael, not only that, and she becomes the great-grandmother of Dovr HaMelech, so that's what the Gemara says, that it says in Pasuk, that the males from Amin and Mayav can't come into our fold, but the women are okay. The Pasuk continues, even after 10 generations. It doesn't matter how, how many generations go on. Again, if it's, if it's a direct line, father to, from fathers going back to Amin and Mayav, so that is, uh, that's a prohibition. Ad oilam, forever. And the Pasuk continues, all this is because when we left Mitzrayim leading to Eretz Yisrael, they didn't come out to greet us, offering us with uh, food and, and water. But Derech Batseis Mitzrayim, when we left Mitzrayim, so in other words, there's lack of Hakar Satayv. Because again, we say, you know, Avram Avinu saves light, right, by the four kings. So their, their existence is, is from us, and they didn't have the decency to, to greet us in the midbar. Not only that, more than that, in the Kol Parshas for now, they also hire. Bilam to curse us. So it's a complete lack of a curse of And therefore, we are not allowed to marry into them. Now the Pasuk ends off. Don't seek out peace or good with them forever. Don't seek out peace or good with them forever. So this is that last end of the Pasuk. That's what we're going to be discussing today a little bit. What exactly does the Pasuk mean when it says, don't seek peace with them? The beginning of the Pasuk until that last line was talking about was, was introducing to us mitzvahs which are based on individuals. So uh, a person has to have a, wants to get married, a person has to make chasna for his daughter, he's coming, you know, he's going through, uh, you know, resumes, whatever it is, and there's a, a bacharel, he's a nice guy, but he comes from Moyev. Okay, so you can't make a shidduch. So it's not about nations conflicting or having a, whatever. It's, it's about individuals. I have to get married, there's a guy and a girl, if they're, if they're from Moyev, it's a problem. That's the beginning of the Pasuk. And then the Pasuk ends off, don't seek peace with them. So what exactly does that mean? So this is the Machlok Yisrishayna we're going to see. If you take a look at Marmokka number 2, Rashi, on Chomish over there, says like this, the way Rashi learns is that that Pasuk ends off, don't seek peace with them, is a continuation off of the 
Isser, the mitzvah that was introduced in the beginning of the Pasuk. Because you're not allowed to marry someone from Ammon and Mayav, individuals from Ammon and Mayav. And the Pasuk then continues, you're not even allowed to befriend them or seek, or seek peace with them. Now this is, you'll see in a second. So Rashi says like this, Le'sidra Shleimah, Michlal Shenemar, says Rashi. The Pasuk is, is the background of that last sentence is the following. We have a different Pasuk elsewhere which talks about non-Jews living amongst uh, Jewish communities. Sometimes it happens and so on. So it says in Pasuk, Imcha Yeshe Bekerbecha. So it says in Pasuk that if a non-Jew is living amongst Yidin, you have to treat him with respect and dignity and you, 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 you can befriend him and everything, everything's okay. Not to, obviously, not, not to mix in a way that's against Allah, but Imcha Yeshe Bekerbecha, he could sit amongst you. So it says Rashi, Yochel Avzekein. So you might think this applies also to someone from Amin and Mayav. Again, not converted, but not a, not a Yid, but so a guy that's from Amin and Mayav. So the Pasuk says, don't seek out peace with them. So in other words, the way Rashi is interpreting the Pasuk is that this entire parasha is talking about individual people from Amin and Mayav. After that, that what? That they can't come into the fold. That they, first of all, it's that they can't come and marry within Kal Yisrael. That's certainly true before conversion. It's even true after conversion. And then the Pasuk ends off, that not even to seek peace with them. It was not even to befriend someone from Amin and Mayav again, before, before they convert. After they convert, they're a Yid. And then the only issue is the marrying within us. But before conversion, if they're full-fledged, Amin and Mayav, you can't even seek peace with them, not, not to befriend them. doesn't mean to slash their tires, but uh, not to seek peace with them. You'll see in a second. That's Rashi. Not only is this Rashi, this is also the opinion of the Urayim. The Urayim was uh, one of the, it's one of the Rishonim. He was, he was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam. So from uh, the Baliatisis from that world. So the Urayim in Simon Reish Beis also learns like Rashi <coughs> that the Pasuk, the context of Lysidra Shleimam is, the background is, we have other Pesukim telling us that we should befriend or, or you know, uh, we're ha- we, we, we act civilly and, 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 and friendly to Gayim that live amongst us. So uh, again, those Pesukim are specifically talking about like Avadim Kananim and so on. So to that, to that, the Pasuk then says, when it comes to Amin Amayim, not like that. So to that, the Urayim Adds an, an element as follows: Medavar Marmurim, Marmukah number three. Medavar, when is this true? Bedrisha Shalom. That's only when you go out of your way to send letters of peace and thankfulness and happy. You know, when you're going out of your way to uh, seek Shalom and relationships with them. Avotashlume Shalom, but responding to, a, to to in a peaceful way. Or even when they did you a favor and to repay the favor in kind, the mutter, that's okay. So that's what the Pasuk says, don't seek out a relationship with Amin and Mayav. If, if, but if you're, if you're indebted to them or you're responding, then that's okay. So for example, says the Irem, if they did a kindness for you, if a guy, uh, if your neighbor that's from Amin, you know, uh, you know, you know, your, your, your battery died in your car, and he uh, jump starts your car. So you could return the favor. You could write him a nice thank you note. That's fine because he did you a favor first. So you're responding in kind. Like sidra shleimam, you don't go out of your way to do that to 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 befriend them. But im also im If they did kindness with you, mutter then you're allowed to to give them, uh, you know, offer them a thank you and so on. Shenamar and says the Rami Bruiser from a pasuk. It says in Sefer Shmuel. Shmuel Bey's Paragyud. Vayamas Melech Bnei Amin. It says in Pasuk, the king of Amin died. Vayimloch Chanoin Bnei Tachtav, and his son Chanoin assumed the throne of the king of Amin. 
Uksiv. Now the Pasuk then goes on to say, V'yomer David, that David said to himself as follows, Asa chesed im chanayin, the new king of Ammon is chanayin. David says, so I'm going to do a chesed with chanayin, I'm going to offer you know, a message of condolences for the passing of his father and the mazel tov on becoming a king. Says David, and why am I doing this? Because his father did that to me also when I became a king and so on. He did a chesed to me. That's what David said. He sent a message of Nechama. Wouldn't you think that's simple midos? So that's what the Pasuk is saying. Midos is, is true, but it says in Pasuk regarding Amin and Maiv, that those midos that you personally feel should not be expressed to them. You have to keep it in. So that's what the Uraim is saying. So how did David send a letter of Nechama, uh, you know, B'menachem Avil, Chanoin, the son of, the, 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 the king of Amoin. Obviously he's an Amoini. So that's what the Uraim is proving, that you see from over here, the issue is only to go out of your way and to initiate. But if it's a response to a chesed that they offered you, then it's okay. And in this case, it's even, it's even more, right? Because the father is the one that did the chesed to David years earlier, and David is never paying it to the son. So you see, that's what the Uraim's point is. But again, it's all working within the same, the same uh, you know, shita of Rashi, which is that this pasuk of Lysidra Shleimam is, again, it's, it's within the context of Layavi Amonima, which are mitzvahs about individual people. So, I, so the pasuk is saying that, you, that Amon and Mayav have to sort of be sort of uh, taken, you know, removed from Kal Yisrael to a certain degree. Marriage... They're, they're removed marriage-wise, even after conversion. And even in terms of sholem and nachdas, after they're a year for sure not, but, but in terms of uh, when, before the, the conversion. So we push them away, we're not, uh, we're not makar of them. And then to that, the Uram is saying, okay, you can't be makar of them, but if they showed, uh, if, the, if, you, if you're indebted to them for something that they did to you, then you could respond. Okay, that's all the sheet of Rashi and the Uram. Now, there's a whole group of other Rishonim that learn the Pasuk completely different. In Maramakah number 4, the Chinuch, on this, on this Pasuk of Lysidra Shleimam, interprets the, the, the meaning of the Pasuk altogether differently. The way the, the Chinuch learns is that, although the beginning of this Pasuk in, in Parshish Kitzetze was talking about mitzvahs on individuals, that, again, you can't marry someone from Amun and Mayav, the last Pasuk of Lysidra Shleimam Tevasim is not talking about individuals anymore, it's talking about Amin and Maiv as a nation, and what's being taught to us. So says the Chinuch like this: Maramukah number four. This is mitzvah tough. Kof Samech Beis in Parshas Kiseitzim. Shenim know this pasuk of Leisidra Shleimam b'Tevasam. Kol Yemechal Oylam that you can't seek peace with them. Says the Chinuch. Shenim know what we're being withheld from doing. What we're being prohibited to do is mehashlem im Amin and Maiv ad Oylam to be at peace with Amin and Maiv. What does that mean practically? Ba'inin Azet. So, Vinyazahu. So, says the Chinuch, this is the idea. Shakel Tzivanu, the Rabbi commanded us, and this is what we spoke about last week. Kishinotzar, Lir Hamedinas. That when the Jewish people go to war against a particular city, Shinishal Mehem Sholem, that we should initially first offer a peace treaty, Kaidil Hamachama, before war. So comes our pasuk, meaning to say that that mitzvah that I told that I that I mentioned to you last week, which is that there's a mitzvah to offer peace before you go to war, that applies to every nation except for Amin and Mayav. So the beginning of the pasuk of Layavi Amin and Mayavi Bekalashem is talking about individuals. Uh, you know, uh, Shprinza needs to get married. There's a nice bacharel from Amin and Mayav. It's not a shidduch. That's That's the beginning of the pasuk. The end of the pasuk, is not talking about shprints and yankel. It's talking about 
governments and, and, and warfare. That when you go to war, every nation before you go to war, you offer a peace treaty in terms of, of surrender. Amunamayv is not like that. If there's a decision to go to war, whatever the reason is, it has to be right, a good reason. There's halachas in place of what allows us to go to war. But if there's legitimate reasons to go to war, then, there's, then, then, then Adra, but not only is there no mitzvah to send a peace treaty and offers of, of surrender, you're not allowed to. And that's what this Pasuk is, is telling us. That's the meaning of the Pasuk. The Chain Omer B'Sifri. And says the Chinuch, and this is backed up by a Medrash. The Medrash says, the Medrash is giving context again to this Pasuk of It says the Medrash, since the Pasuk, the background is, Pasuk says when you go to a city to go to war, you offer a peace treaty, Yahal Afkan, you might think that that applies to Amin and That's the Pasuk. Now the truth is, what's interesting, this is just in parentheses, this medrash that, that, that the Chinuch quotes at the end to explain the background for that The Pasuk says when you go to war, offer a peace treaty. So maybe that applies to Amin and That style is exactly what Rashi quoted too, albeit a different Pasuk, right? Because Rashi also said, Maramaka number two, on this Pasuk, since the Pasuk elsewhere says that you should, you should have good relations with uh, non-Jews living amongst, living amongst you, so you might think it applies to Amun and so that's not a coincidence that they're both, that, that Rashi stylistically is picking the same style at the Medrash that the Chinuch is quoting. Rashi is quoting a Medrash too. And so it, 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 would, it would seem that there was this medrash on this Pasuk um, that, that, that explains this Pasuk based on the background of a, of a, of a different Pasuk. Rashi, Rashi's girsa was that the background is Imcha Yeshe Bikr Becha. The Pasuk, the background for Lysidra Shleman was that uh, a, a slave from another nation should live amongst you peacefully. And to that, the background, and then the Pasuk says, Lysidra Shleman. And the Chinuch, the version of the Medrash according to the Chinuch was, like, the background is, when you go to war, you over a peace treaty, is not like that. So it seems to be different, Gersais, in the Medrash. What's interesting is, is that our Medrash, the version of the Medrash that we have in the Sifri, has both. So the way that we have the Medrash is like this. The, the, if you go back to the beginning of, the, at the end of the first Baramakims, again, the Pasuk that we have has two things. It says, don't seek out their peace and their good forever. So the Medrash that we have, we'll see in a second, the Medrash that we have breaks up the Pasuk into two. When it comes to Lysidra Shloimam, the Medrash that we have says, what's the background? What does it mean, Lysidra Shloim, don't seek out peace with them? So to that part of the Pasuk, the Medrash that we have is like the Chinuch. That since the Pasuk says elsewhere that when you go to war, you should offer a peace treaty, so you might think, Amenemov also. That's why it says, Lysidra Shloimam. And the word Taivasam, the Medrash then says, like Harashi quotes, since the Pasuk says elsewhere, Imcha Yeshu Bikrbecha, that when a non-Jew is a slave amongst, amongst the Jewish neighborhood, he should be treated nicely and friendly and, 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 and brotherly. So you might think Amram is also like that. Kamash Mulan, Taivasam, that you can't seek out their good. So what, what Rashi quotes as the Medrash to explain the whole Pasuk, and what the Chinuch quotes as the Medrash to explain the whole Pasuk, our Medrash, in fact, it says both, dividing the Pasuk into two. Lysidra Shleimam, number one, and Taivasam, number two. Now, this is the Medrash that we have. Now, that's, in fact, very, it sounds likely to be the sheet of the Rambam. If you take a look at Maramukha, you following so far, the Cheshbon? 
Yeah, okay. So when I walk in number five, this is how the Rambam records this in Hilchas Malachim, Perak Vav Alachavav. Amen Amayav. Again, this is right after the Rambam mentioned the mitzvah that we mentioned last week, which is to go offer a peace treaty when you go to war. The Rambam says, Amen Amayav, ain't Sholchelem Lashalom. The Rambam says, by Amen Amayav, that's the exception, you do not offer a peace treaty to Amen Amayav. Shenemar loy sidrash shloyimam v'tevasam kol yamecha. Quotes the Pasuk, not that there's a mitzvah not to seek out their peace and good forever. And now the Rambam, which he usually does not do, the Rambam just says the halacha finish. He doesn't necessarily quote the Gemara or the Medrash that the halacha is coming from. Over here the Rambam veers off from that uh, usual uh, program and he quotes the Midrashim to explain this Pasuk. Amru Chachamim. Chachamim is saying, he's quoting this Medrash, and this is how he quotes the Medrash, which is a combo of Rashi and the Chinuch. Since the Pasuk says elsewhere that you should offer a peace treaty generally when you go to war. So you might think also. Don't seek out, don't seek out uh, peace with them. And then the Rambam continues. Since the Pasuk says elsewhere, that's, that was the Chinuch. Now he says Rashi. Since the Pasuk says elsewhere that when a non-Jew is living amongst the Jewish community as a, as a servant and so on, you should, he, should, he should live with peace and, and, and you shouldn't uh, harm him in any way. You should befriend him. So that's what, what the Rambam is doing. So from the Rambam, you could definitely make the argument that the Rambam is a third sheet, which is both Rashi, and the chinuch that there's two prohibitions over here. Leisidrash shloimam, that's talking about on a on a national scale, on a national level. That when you go to war, every nation you offer a peace treaty, except for Amunayv leisidrash shloimam. And then the pasuk ends off v'tayvasam. That besides on a national level, back to the individual people, Yankel and Shprinza, that uh, someone from Amunayv before he becomes Yankel, he's, uh, he's still a non-Jew. So even 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 that on on an individual level, you shouldn't seek out peace with him. That's similar to Rashi. Okay, and that the Uram, the Uram said, I so had a Davidamelch, send a nice letter to the king of Ammon. Okay, so that's what Uram proved, that it must be because to respond back to a chesed they did to you, that's okay. In the world of the Chinuch, by the way, if you think about it in the Chinuch, the whole discussion with Davidamelch is not a question to begin with. The, the, the Chinuch said, if the Pasuk says you can't seek out peace, how did David Melch send uh, a, a, a message of Menachem Avil to the son of, to the king of Amin? So in the Chinuch, it's not a problem. This mitzvah doesn't say you're not allowed to send nice messages to Amin and Mayev. It was told about you go to war, you're not allowed to send a, a message of uh, offers of, uh, of surrender first. David Melch isn't going to war, there's nothing to do with that. It's only because you're learning like Rashi that this mitzvah is not about war and battle and all that. It's talking about individual people that you're not allowed to send out a message of, of, of you're not allowed to do chesed and, and, and goodness to uh, Amin and Mayev. So that why, that's why the Iran was bothered. How did David send the message of, of Nechama to Hanayim, the king of Amin? So that he proved. So it must be it's okay if you're responding in chesed. But if you're learning like the Chinuch, it's Bechlam not a problem. So we have what, what, so what comes out, we have three sheetas in the Rishonim. What does this Pasuk mean, our relationship with Amin and Mayav? You have the sheet of Rashi, that, that the Lesidra Shleimam, the mitzvah of Lesidra Shleimam v'tevasam, means on an individual level that you can't befriend or you know, go out of your way to do kindness for people from Amin and Mayav. That's the sheet of Rashi and the Uraim. And within that world, the Uraim proved that must only apply to when you go out of your way. But if you're responding, it's okay, because that's why David Melch was allowed to send Nechem Avelim to the king of Amin. That's Rashi. The, other, the opposite extreme, you have the Chinuch, 
which is that this mitzvah is not not about individual people and sending thank you cards. There's nothing to do with that. There's something else. This is when you go to war, usually you have to offer peace, an option of peace initially. I'm an Amoyev, not like that. And then Rambam, which is both. That the Pasuk is divided into two. Leisidja Shloimam is like the Chinuch, that that's talking about a mitzvah that's being introduced to us that you can't offer a peace treaty initially before you go to war. The Taivosam, that's like Rashi, that it's talking about thank you cards. That's the, those, are the two, that's, those are the three sheaths that we find. Okay. Now, the Sachako, when, you know, when, 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 the, the, the feeling that, that we're getting from all these sheaths, whether it be Rashi, that it's talking about the individual members of Amin and Moyev, or whether it's like the Chinuch and the Rambam that it's talking about, at least, at least also, uh, going to war, we're definitely get, cu- coming up with the feelings that we don't like Amin and Moiv so much. That's sort of the, uh, that's the, that's the Shava, that we don't like Amin and Moiv, and we don't like them. Now what's fascinating is, <coughs> what's fascinating is, is that you would think, therefore, that of all nations, to go to war against, like, top of the list would be Amin and Moiv. Because when you go to war with them, according to the, the Chinuch and the Rambam, there's a special mitzvah not even to, not even to offer a peace treaty. So it means, uh, we, we would seem to be get that, you know, what's, you know, we're getting the feeling that going to war against Amin and Moiv is something that's maybe even recommended, something that's, in the very least, a good idea. What's fascinating is, is that the Ramban, in a few places, tells us not like that. And it becomes like a funny... And, and, and it creates a funny relationship between us and Amin and Moiv. You'll see in a second. A little bit of the background before we see this Ramban. So you don't have this in front of you, but uh, in Parshas Dvarim, Maishar Venu is chazering over a little bit of, of how he got to uh, right before the Yarden, right before the Jordan. So it says in Pasuk over there that, that the Jewish people, Maishar Venu is describing, after we left Mitzrayim, that we passed by the nation of Esav, the place of Seir, the place of Esav. And the Pasuk says, again, you don't have this in front of you, but the Pasuk says, that Hashem said to me, Moshe says, that, okay, that you have to go around, you have to circumvent the country of Esav, don't attack them, don't try to, uh, to inherit their land. It says in Pasuk like this, Al Tizgerubam, says in Pasuk, Hashem said to me, don't start up with them. I'm not going to give you from their land, even uh, even uh, a walking path, nothing. You're not being given anything. That area has been given as an inheritance to Esav. And then the pasuk goes on. Fine. So Moshe says we passed around the city, the, the place of Esav. And now we came to the place of Moiv. And Hashem sends me the same message. Don't start up with them, and so on. You're not getting Yerusha from Moiv. To the children of light, Maya that comes from light, I've given, I've given them a Yerusha. And the Pasuk continues, the Pasuk continues that after that we went to the place of Amain. And the same story repeats itself. The Rabbi Shem says to, uh, to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't start up with Amain and so on. I've given it to the sons of light. So you have these three countries that the Jewish people are being told to circumvent, not to start up with. Because the, their lands have been given to them as inheritance, Esav, Amin, and Mayav. Esav, Amin, and Mayav. Now the Rambam in, 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 in Sefer Mitzvahs and many Rishayim and other places understand that, the, that that sentence that Hashem said, don't start up with Esav, Amin, and Mayav, their lands are theirs, that was only for that time. That was only for that time. This is not a mitzvah forever. 
never to start up with Esav or never to start up with Amin and Mayav. In fact, the opposite. Many Rishonim quote Chazal. The Gemara says that not only will we have the seven nations of Eretz, of Eretz Canaan, of Canaani and Knizi and Canaan and so on, but we're also going to have the three nations of Kani, Knizi and Kadmoini. Back in Parashas Lech Lecha, when Hashem Yisbrach promises the land to Avram Avinu, He promises Avram Avinu ten nations. The seven nations we're familiar with with Canaan. And He also promises them Kani, Knizi and Kadmoini. Who's Kani, Knizi, Kadmoini? Chazal say, Kani, Knizi, Kadmoini is Amoin, Moyev and Esav. I mean, so, so says the Rambam and say the Rishonim, of course the Pasuk doesn't mean forever that you're never allowed to start with them. The opposite, when Mashiach comes, we'll have their lands. So when the Pasuk says, don't start up with them, their lands are theirs. I mean, for that moment, the Rishonim decided that until Mashiach comes, you're not going to have those lands. But for the time being, it's theirs, but it doesn't mean forever. <coughs> this is the sheet of the Rambam. And like I said, other Rishonim, the Ramban is not like that. The Ramban in Sefer Mitzvahs, all the way at the end of Sefer Mitzvahs, the Rambam has a list of mitzvahs, positive and negative, that he, that he calls, that he says, the forgotten mitzvahs that the Rambam forgot about. And so he talks about this over there, and he also talks about this in, in, in Chumash, uh, in, in, um, in, uh, in Parashat Kiseitse. The Rambam learns, no, that the, these, when Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, don't start up with Esau, don't start up with Amin and Moya, their lands are Yerusha to them, the Ramban sheet is, that is a mitzvah forever. It's a mitzvah forever. There's an Isser from the Torah, to go to war, to conquer the lands of Esav, Amun, and Moiv. The, and the Rama, and the, so let's see it inside a little bit. Maramukha number six, this is the Ramban in Parshas Kiseitse. By the way, why is this connected to the sixth Parsha, Parshas Chukas? So it's very simple. In, 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 the, in the end of the sixth Parsha, I think it's Parshas Chukas, right? The Jewish people conquer Sichon and Oig. So Sichon and Oig were lands that were originally under the, the, the under the, uh, under the control of Amun and Moyev. They were originally lands of Amun and Moyev. But we were commanded, nevertheless, to conquer Sikhan and Oig. Aye, we're not allowed to conquer Amun and Moyev. So to that, the Gemara says in Gideon, it's a few places, the Gemara says, Sikhan and Oig, Amun and Moyev, Tiaru That the lands of Amun and Moyev, which are usually, we're not allowed to conquer, they became Tahar, they became purified, they, you know, they became Mutter, because of Sikhan and Oig. So Sikhan and Oig captured from Amun and Moyev these places, those countries of Eivar Yardin, and because they're no longer Amun and Moyev, now we're able to conquer them. But again, the, the, the background of that Gemara is that you're not allowed to conquer Amun and Moyev. So the Rambam and others would say, okay, that was, at that time, you weren't allowed to conquer Amun and Moyev. doesn't mean forever. But the Ram says, no, 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 it means forever. You're never allowed to conquer Amun and Moyev territory, and Esav as well. These lands that are being described as Yerusha for them, a Yerusha means forever. And I, how could we have Oigen, uh, uh, and Oig territory? It was originally Amun and Moyev. The answer is, because Sikh and Oig conquered it from Amun and Moyev. Once they conquered it, Tiara was Sikh and it becomes Tar, and we could uh, take it from them. But this is the Machlaikis, the Ramban Sheet is, Amun and Moyev, Ace of Amun and Moyev, Altis Grubam, don't start with them, don't fight with them, never go to war with them at all. Let's see, let's see inside the Ramban. Now, obviously, this is going, the, the, the Sheet of the Ramban, as we're going to see in a second, is going to make a problem, because. If you're not allowed to go to war with them ever, then what are you talking about making peace treaties? Then you're not allowed to make a peace treaty. You're not allowed to go to war. Again, if you learn like Rashi and the Uraim, that when the Pasik said it regarding Amun and Moyev, don't seek out peace, that's still my thank you cards. So goes on to hate. So then fine, there's an issue of going to war with them. And there's another issue that you're not allowed to send thank you cards. But, uh, but if you learn like the Rambam and the Chinuch, that Leisidr Shloyma means that when you go to war, you shouldn't offer a peace treaty first. What do you mean going to war? You're not allowed to go to war with Amun and Moyev. 
So how could you have two prohibitions? And the Ramban, the Ramban by the way, holds like the Chinuch and the Rambam, that loy sidra shleima means that when you go to war, don't offer a peace treaty. You go to war, you're not allowed to go to war with Amun and wife. So in the Ramban, you have these two conflicting prohibitions. On the one hand, we're prohibited from going to war with them. And the other Pasuk says, when you go to war with them, don't even offer them a peace treaty. First of all, how is that even possible? Oh, so we're going to see about that. So we're going to see. So says the Ramban, Marwaka number six. There's two things. First of all, practically, how do you ever have, how could it ever be applicable to not offer them a peace treaty if you're never allowed to go to war with them? That's just practically how do you work that out? And number two, so like, what's the deal? I mean, do, do we like, you know, on the one hand, you're telling me that we, that we can't go to war with them, which means sort of you have to, you know, they're not the enemy. Right? On the other hand, don't seek peace, don't, don't offer them a peace treaty. Sounds like they are super enemies. So what's the deal? And by the way, you should, just one last thing, that medrash that the other Rishon have quoted, that Lo'asad Lavag, when Sheikh comes, will be given, Keni Knizi Kadmaini, which is Amin Amayv and Esav, the Ramban, not in Chumash, but in Sefer Mitzvahs deals with this. The Ramban says, I agree with that medrash too, but the reason why it's not going to be a violation of this prohibition of not starting up with them is because is because Sancheirev, the king of uh, Syria, by the end of the first base of Migdash, he came and conquered all these biblical nations and mixed them all together. So practically nowadays, the nationhood of Ammon, Maiv, and Esav don't exist. So therefore, the, there is no nation, even the lands of Ammon, Maiv, and Esav are not defined as Ammon, Maiv, and Esav, because these countries, these nations don't exist anymore. So that's why Lassad Lavi will be able to have those territories, because it won't, it won't be violation of going to war against Amin and Maiv and Esav. Amin and Maiv and Esav, for all practical purposes, don't exist because they were all mixed up. But uh, that's how the Ramban sort of gets around that issue. But take a look inside. It says the Ramban, Maramukha number six, again, Danira Eli. It says the Ramban, it seems to me, it appeared to me, that Mochemes Amin and Maiv, Asra Taira, Alein Ladairis. Again, he's talking about Amin and Maiv, that's just the context of the Pasuk that he's talking about. But it applies to Esav also. That's the Ramban in Sefer Mitzvah. He says that explicitly. So the, there's a prohibition of going to war against Amun and Moev. Ladairis, forever. of Sha'amar, Al-Tizgarbam, that Pasuk in Parshish Devarim, which says that Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem at the time of the desert, don't start up with Amun and Moev and Esav. Ain't a mitzvah That's not just a mitzvah for the time being. Elohim mitzvah loisaseh ladairis. That's a mitzvah loisaseh. That's a prohibition forever. Zeosh Amr, that, and that's why the Pasuk explains, Yerusha. That the Pasuk says, don't go to war with them. Why? Because their land is, is a Yerusha for them. So the Ramban articulates this more clearly in Sefer Mitzvah, but he says the word Yerusha in Tanakh, Yerusha always means something that's forever. You don't have a Yerusha for a few years. So Yerusha means it's yours forever. So the Pasuk says, don't start up with Amun and Maiv because their lands are theirs. It's Yerusha. It means it's theirs forever. Ki nachla Hashem. That's the nachla that they received, and that's it. Imkain. So the Rabban is bothered. That's one second. So what does it mean not to offer them a peace treaty when you're going to war? You're never allowed to go to war. So what's the issue? So Imkain. So says the Rabban. So when the Pasuk, in our Mitzvah Loisah, say that we're talking about, in Parashas Kiseitzeh, in the way of the Chinuch and the Rambam, that the Pasuk says, don't offer them a peace treaty when you go to war. I, you can never go to war with them. So says the Ramban, Yitzava, it's applying to the following case. Let's say Amun and Moyav annexed some other country to their territory. So it's not, it's not uh, you know, Amun and Moyav uh, historically. It's uh, another country that they, that they conquered. And now we want to go to war with Amun and Moyav, not to conquer Amun and Moyav territory, but to conquer this other territory that Amun and Moyav conquered themselves. 
So then we're allowed to go to war. The Pusik said, don't start up with Amun and Moiv and Esav because their lands are their inheritance. In other words, the only, again, the Ramban explains this again. He articulates this more clearly in Sefer Mitzvah, but he says, but there, by Yidin, the only reason to go to war is because we need land. We're not just going to war Stam because we want to destroy things. So presumably, you're going to war in order to conquer territory. So the Pasuk says, don't start with Amun and Moiv and Esav. It's, their land is theirs. But if you're going up with Amun and Moiv for other reasons, because you want other lands that they're in charge of, or other political issues, uh, as long, if the war is legitimate, but it's not for their territory, then that's okay. And to that, the Pasuk then says, that when you're going to war with them under those conditions, don't offer them a peace treaty. So for their lands themselves, you're right, you don't go to war to conquer their lands. But if you're going to war with them for other reasons, to conquer other lands or whatever, so then the prohibition of not offering a peace treaty applies. That's what the Ramban says. So he says, what the Pasuk means is, if you're going to war to conquer territory of another country that they conquered, Right, so we're trying to take it from their hands. So we're war, we're 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 going to war against Amun and Moya, but it's not for their land. So that's when the prohibition of not offering a peace treaty would apply. The Chain, another example, the Ramban, the Ramban says, which is what Chaim pointed out. But he says it a little bit funny. You'll see in a second. Let's say they start up with us. So obviously, if a nation is is attacking you, a peace treaty. Well, well you know. Uh, <laughs> They're starting up with us. But it means like this. Let's say they, they started and we defended ourselves. And politically, you know, after that, even after defending yourselves, we see with Eretz Yisrael, even defending yourself doesn't necessarily um, give off the greatest uh, level of confidence on the world scene. And enemies that we're familiar with, they very often, you know, the fact that you defended yourselves means that you're, that you're still weak. And so very often in order to truly defend yourselves, you have to go on the attack. And so that's what the Pasuk is trying to say. If Amun and Moiv attacks you, and you defended yourself, but in order to really defend yourself and to stop this from happening, you have to go on the offensive now to go into their territory. So now that's already, that's called a defensive war, but it happens to be a defensive war conquering their land. I'm only doing this because uh, you start up with me, so I have to show my strength. To that, the Pasuk says, don't offer peace to so again, all, all these types of scenarios, we're trying to find ways where it will be mutter to go to war with them, avoiding this issue of, of taking their land as an inheritance. So one first option is, okay, other reasons to go to war, for other lands or other inyanim, or even if you are taking their land, but you're taking the land as a defense. Why in the world would you be taking their land as a defensive way? Okay, because we know what happens with the Arab nations over there. You have to, sometimes that's, that's the way it works. So that's what the Pasuk is trying to say. So that's another example. They come to fight with us. Then it'll be mutter for us to, to attack them. And to conquer cities and, and, and parts of their land. To conquer them. Because of what they've done to us. So that's part of, uh, you know, uh, you know. It's uh, geopolitics in the Middle East. And, that's, and then you, in that case, you're going to war and it's mutter. Not mutter, it's, you know, you have to do that. And then you don't, you don't offer a peace treaty. Okay, so that's what, that's what comes out. So, fine, that's in terms of technicality how the, all these isurim apply. But what we have to think about for the next just couple minutes is, like, so what's this inyan? It's such a, fa- it's such a, a, a funny dynamic and relationship. Amnumayv Esav, don't touch them. Their lands are theirs. But if you do go to war with them for whatever legitimate reason, then mamish go to war. They're the biggest enemy. Don't send even an offer of, uh, don't even offer them any terms of surrender. 
Like again, do we respect them that it lands or 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 not? It's a funny thing. <coughs> so okay, so let me explain a little bit derech uh, to explain a little bit of where this is coming from. So we have altogether ten nations, right? Eretz Yisrael ultimately destined to be us as ten nations, divided into two two parts: the seven that we already conquered, and the final three: Kenyan, Kenyan, and Kadmon. Whenever you see those numbers. Seven and three, ten altogether. So that all that, that that those are big numbers in Pina Satire. Seven is always seven is always a number which see okay, let's let, let me let me put it this way. Ten is a number which which symbolizes which expresses a certain level of completion. The whole system, right? So you count till ten and then you, you sort of go back to one, right? Eleven. So ten always means shleimus. It means a certain level of completion. So ten is always going to convey like a complete, a complete, holistic picture. But that group of ten is divided into two parts: seven and three. Seven is always a number which represents a lower level, although it's a complete system by itself. But it's a a uh, underdeveloped or an immature version of that full system, and the higher three means a full version, an adult version. So it's like when you have a little kid, right? Baruch Hashem, everything should be healthy and well. The little kid is a, is a full person. He's a full person. But then you have that kid as an adult. He's also a full person. So it's like if you, if, again, just to put it into, into numbers, right? So seven would be a child, would be a child. And the, and, and those, the, the top three, bringing it to ten, would be the adult. So it's like uh, uh, the difference between the child and the adult is not he's not missing any pieces. It's just it's just more developed and a and a, and, a, and a complete and a complete thing. So when we talk about the nations that our conquest and our dealings with these nations, the seven seven and three altogether ten seven is going to represent a a immature. Underdeveloped, ch- childlike, almost relationship with the seven nations, and three taking it to ten is going to represent a more adult, fully developed concept. So it's like this: these nations that we have, the seven nations of Canaan, the ten, and so on, they represent everything that we're. If we have to go to war with them, we have to fight them, conquer their territory. They rep- that, that they represent all the powers of the eight Sahara. They represent all all uh, forces of impurity. All seven, this is we find many of them in this farm. But you know everyone is everyone is made up of seven basic midas, right? Mm-hmm. All the seven personality types. Those personality types they have good elements and they have some negative elements, right? So the negative sides of chesed gvur teferas netzachay represent the seven nations. But in our Dealings with the eight Sahara, there are two madregas. There's, there's a child. There's, a, there's an underdeveloped, a katnus dika way of relating to the eight Sahara, and then there's a godless dika way of relating to the eight Sahara. The katnus dika way of relating to the eight Sahara is enemy seek and destroy, seek and destroy. A bad mida, just burn it, break it, finished. Like that. That's what you want. The Yitzhar is something that, that uh, in, that, in that first, in, in that mindset of cutness of smallness, 
And when I say smallness, I don't mean it's bad. I don't think it, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's the initial, the first, the first way of relating and dealing with the Yitzhara is that you see the Yitzhara as an enemy, and the way that you deal with this enemy is to destroy it. This is what's called in the Svarim, Iskafia de Sidrachra. Iskafia de Sidrachra means to wrestle and to subdue the Yitzhara, to restrain, to, to develop a certain level of self-control, all healthy things. But that's all, the etzim is still kadmas. The higher madrega of dealing with the Yitzhara, and you have to, as I said, you, you can't become an adult before you're a child. You have to go through childhood first. But when you're a child, know that you're a child. So a person has to go through that first stage of escafia, of subduing, of wrestling, of, of, of conquering the territory with, with militarily, to conquer the territory of the seven nations. That represents iskaf, this wrestling the Yitzhara, seeing it as an enemy that needs to be subdued. But then you get to a higher magic, which is called hishavcha the sitrachra. Hishavcha means to completely convert the sitrachra with all of its kaychis into taif, into something that's positive. In other words, the Yitzhara by its very nature, it's a sugi by itself, it's arichas, and I've spoken about this many times as well. <coughs> the Yitzhara by itself, when you compare the Yitzhara with the Yitzhara taif, the Yitzhara, has two qualities. It brings us, it, it, it compels us uh, uh, to do unhealthy things. That's number one. So there's the actual things that the Yitzhar tries to convince us to do, which are no good. But then there's the intensity level that the Yitzhar has in bringing us to do those things. That intensity level, which in a certain sense is maybe more the essence of what the Yitzhar is, in terms of the fire. What that, how that fire expresses itself, where, where does that fire take us? unhealthy. But the fire itself, you don't want to extinguish that. The first initial stage of dealing with the Yitzhar is just pouring water on the whole thing and just, ext- just get rid of it. That's called hiskafia. But the higher madrega is to be able to subtly separate and to say, no, one second, the places that the Yitzhar is taking me, I don't want to go to. But the fire of the Yitzhar itself, I don't want to extinguish. I want to turn that. I want to allow the Yitzhar to, remain, to exist but I want that fire itself to be, to be, to be um, uh, uh, swallowed up and incorporated into my Avodah Hashem, where what? Where I'm serving the Avodah Hashem with my Yetzir Toiv and my Yetzir And that's what it means in Pasuk, to serve Hashem with all of your hearts, because I'll say it means your Yetzir and your Yetzir Toiv. Yetzir Toiv to serve Hashem means the Yetzir Toiv tells you where to go. But the fire and the strength to get there, that's from the Yetzir And so these are the two Madrigas that's called Eskafia, Subduing the Yitzhar and is havcha converting the Yitzhar. To convert the Yitzhar means not to change them to the Yitzhar type. It's a Yitzhar. But the Yitzhar, but what you're doing is you're identifying its essence, which is that fire. And that fire is something that could be, that could be contained within Avadi Hashem as a Yitzhar. This is the secret of the difference between the seven nations and the three nations of Amun, Nemoyev, and Esav. The seven nations represent the Yitzhar, the, the, the Avaida of Muhammad Yitzhar in a katnus state, in a katnus experience, which is iskafia, subduing. They're the enemy, conquer their territory, get rid of any trace of Canaan from Eretz Yisrael. I don't want to hear nothing. Should, there shouldn't be a thing that says, you know, uh, there shouldn't be ancient museums of over here. This is where the Canaan used to live. Just completely, completely wipe it out. No trace of it. That's, that's, a, that's a mentality. That's, that's an avoida towards the Eight Sahara, but in katnus. The final three, Keni, Knizi, Kadmoini, Represent, they don't represent other Yetzars. The top three represent the, an entire new, deeper way of looking at the entire system. And the deeper way of looking at the system is not to get rid of the Yetzirah, 
but it's havcha de sidra to convert, to, to incorporate the Yetzirah into Arvai Hashem. And this is the funny dynamic, and this expresses itself in halacha in this way of the Ramban. Do we conquer their lands? But are we friends with them? So it's like a funny thing. The answer is, we don't conquer their lands. To conquer their lands, that's still katnus. That's called the skafi de sitra We don't conquer their lands, but we see them as the enemy. So which one is it? The answer is, it's his havcha de sitra The ultimate goal is, bekeni knizi kadmoini, amenamoy venesov, they should be incorporated into Eretz Yisrael without us having to remove them. So the, on the one hand, it, we're, 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 we're recognizing, it, it's, it's recognizing the kaychus of the Yitzhara as an enemy, but realizing that the ultimate goal is not to get rid of it. The ultimate goal is for the Yitzhara to be a Yitzhara, but to incorporate into the Hashem. So how do you describe that? How does that materialize in Allah Lamaisa down here? This idea of seeing, of there being a Yetzirah, but yet at, at the same time, and, and a Yetzirah means something that, that's no good, but a Yetzirah at the same time existing, but existing within the, the, the context of Kedusha, this is expressing itself in this way of Amen and Moya Vedesav being a lands that we don't touch, that we don't get rid of, but at the same time, at the same time, which means we don't get rid of them, they have, they, they ultimately, they, they, have, they have an eternal existence, but at the same time, we, when you go to war with them, you go to war with them 100%, because they're, they're, it's, it's the Yetzirah, but it's the Yetzirah that, despite the fact that it needs to remain as the Yetzirah, it's, its place is within the context of Kedusha. And this is, the, this is what's being expressed with this, with, with the, this um, uh, uh, paradoxical relationship we have with Keni Kinezi Kadmoini, because that's exactly the paradoxical relationship we have with the Yitzhara in this higher, more adult understanding of his Hafcha, that it's both an enemy and, uh, and an ally at the same time. It's, it's something that we desperately need only after it's, it's, it's sort of um, incorporated into a healthy Avaidus Hashem, but it's still always the Yitzhara. And we need that to be, because once it loses its identity as the Yitzhara, so then it doesn't have the fire anymore. So we need it to have that fire, but yet incorporated into Havai Hashem, that results in this funny dynamic of both being a friend and an enemy at the same time, because that's what the Yitzhara ultimately is, and that Madrig of Ishafcha, which is a friend, but an enemy. And that's, that's the secret of Ishafcha, of his, of his, of his and that's the side of what's going on over here. When the Pasuk says that Lassalavi will be able to get Kenik Nizek that doesn't just mean three different lands. It means that all of the kaychas of Ra, all of the kaychas of the Yitzhar, which until now has been seen as just purely an enemy, purely something that we would rather not deal with, something we have to just remove completely, the secret of Kenny Kenizik which is the secret of Gula Shlema, is that all the kaychas of Ra that you've been contending with until now, although the places it's brought you were negative and destructive, but the forces itself, which is the enemy, is also a friend. Is also a necessary component in your Avodah Hashem, and it's going to take you to places in Kedusha you wouldn't otherwise be able to, which is Lo'avda B'chol V'avchem, B'shnei Yitzrach, Avi Yitzatayv, Uvi Yitzaras. No, Shabbat to to be able to see that uh, in a revealed way, that all the Kaychah Sevrash should be converted, Taka should be, the, the parts of them that need to be eliminated will be eliminated, and what's remaining, which is the purity of what the Yitzar is, should Taka be incorporated in Avodah Hashem, Avi Yitzchol Tzedek, Meher Vimeinu, Amen. Ah. Fushlema for David Ben Frida, Besar Shah Ali Shah Shkayah.